Generous God, pour upon us your Holy Spirit, that we may learn to walk in the steps of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a great privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, we've been in uh, the country now for about three weeks and really enjoyed um, our time here. We've had a chance to be in Auckland, um, in, uh, uh, we oh, in Taranaki, that's why we're here, because we came to bring a uh, Coventry Cross of Nails to the new cathedral in Taranaki, really as they work in peace and reconciliation there, particularly in relation to their history. Uh, we've been down in Dunedin, uh, and then travelled in the South Island, and then we were in Christchurch last Sunday morning, which was a, a lovely privilege, and then in Wellington, and now here in Gate Park. This is actually the kind of climax of our, of our, of our three weeks. Uh, we've been preparing for this, we go home tomorrow, so it all leads to this. Uh, and uh, I'm lovely to see that in the entrance way there, you have a Coventry Cross of Nails. People were a bit concerned when we left Coventry um, about whether we were going to make our way back again. Um, because from the other side of the world, um, New Zealand actually looks like perfection. Um, you know, it's about beautiful people doing beautiful things in a beautiful country. Um, and so why would you not just want, to, just want to dig in and just be there? And I'm sure that all of that is true. But of course, it is the whole truth, and I guess part of the narrative of what's been going on while we've been here, is to just... Have a, have a little tiny glimpse uh, into some of the brokenness um, that lies behind the beauty, some of the brokenness of the physical land, of the, uh, the story, of course, of the earthquakes and all the, the upheavals um, in, the, in the mountainous terrain and so on in the country, but also some of the brokenness in the fabric of the community and in the history of the nation here, and uh, like so many places in the world, you come here as a brick with a kind of big sign hanging in front of you that says, sorry, um, we're really sorry, and all of that stuff. Um, and, uh, and that is a little bit, uh, of course, uh, challenging, but it's also a privilege just to share and to walk with you, not just through the beauty, but also through uh, perhaps some of the brokenness and I come from uh, Coventry in the UK. Um, I don't know, uh, I know some of you know Coventry, and some of you have already said that to me, and some of the, the people from the age Club also. But uh, it, it may be important just for me to say a little bit about the context from which I come, because uh, it gives us some commonality, I think, in the narrative of, of, of discovering how brokenness and beauty and destruction and new beginnings can be a really rich source of ministry. Coventry Cathedral is, is uh, as you'd expect, in the heart of the city of Coventry, a city of about 300,000 in the middle of England. Um, uh, way back when, um, in the 14th, 15th century, um, uh, which is not in ancient history for England at all, but, um, but you know, it does feel a little while ago, I guess in the context of New Zealand, we were quite a big city uh, in relation to the rest of the country. And partly because of that, we had some quite big churches. Uh, and one of them, St Michael's Church, which was uh, first built in about the 15th century, it had the third tallest spire in England, it had one of the biggest uh, sort of floor plants, the biggest names. Um, it, it became ultimately in 1918 uh, a cathedral for the new diocese of Coventry, um, uh, a 
a striking and imposing building. On November the 14th, 1940, so just some 22 years after becoming a cathedral, um, it was destroyed in one of the most intense raids of the uh, first part of the Second World War. Um, I'm told that the Allied armies had bombed Munich um, six days before, and uh, Munich felt like uh, sort of Hitler's home city in the, the region of Bavaria where he came from, and he ordered uh, a full-scale retaliation to kind of teach us a lesson, to kind of knock the stuffing, as it were, out of the Allied war effort. Um, and so around about 7 o'clock in the evening, the sirens rang over the city, and uh, the all-clear wasn't sound for 11 hours. And during that time, 500 German bombers, uh, Luftwaffe bombers, crisscrossed the city uh, deliberately in a kind of pattern so that nothing was left untouched. Um, first, with heavy bombs to take out the main arterial routes uh, and the water mains to ensure that no relief services could get through, then smaller bombs to puncture holes in the buildings, then 36,000 incendiaries uh, to set the city on fire. And in the course of that, the uh, medieval cathedral went up in flames. Um, it had actually, quite interestingly really, it had quite a shallow pitched roof. It was quite a rich, wealthy building, and so there were a lot of gilded chapels down both sides, so it had become very kind of pushed out, rather broad and fat, you could say. There was a church not far from us, which had a much steeper roof, and the incendiaries rolled down that roof into the gutters, and it was saved. But as the incendiaries uh, landed and they melted through the lead into the oak ceiling below, the oak ceiling went on fire, the, uh, the, the metal strengthening bars which had been put up uh, by the Victorians um, uh, buckled in the heat and they just pulled the inside of the building in on itself. And so the next morning what was left actually was the town and the perimeter wall still standing but in the middle of it was just rubble and charred beams and nails from which the cross, first crosses of nails were first formed couple of the beams had fallen in a cross shape and they were put up behind the a new altar made of sort of made out of stones from the rubble. Just a scene of devastation. Just devastation. <coughs> but somehow uh, that scene of devastation became, through the grace and mercy of God, a sign of hope for the world. And it became that sign of hope. Uh, initially, I think, through the godly inspiration of one man, my predecessor as leader of the cathedral community, Provost Dick Howard, and he walked into the ruins the next morning and he said, we will rebuild, but we will rebuild as a sign of hope and as a sign of peace. So he didn't say we'll rebuild to show that we are stronger and we're not going to be beaten. He, he said we will rebuild because we believe that God will actually give us the grace to rebuild, but we will not rebuild in a way that, that is a retaliation against our enemies. We will rebuild in a way that reaches out to them. And he uh, had two words written on the, the wall of the ruined cathedral, first in chalk and then later carved, and those two words were Father forgive. And those were quite controversial at the time, as you can imagine. Uh, some people just said, well, why should we forgive? For goodness sake, you know, we should hit him back and hit harder. And actually, somebody was just telling me a little story about that uh, this morning, about uh, some of those people that actually wanted us just to go and hit harder. And we know what happens uh, with that. The whole world um, just ends up in ruins. Um, and he said, no, no, we need to forgive. 
And then other people said, well, why not Father forgive them? Them. And it's such a powerful word, them, isn't it? Because it kind of perpetuates that division uh, between the them and the us. And he said, no, we can't say that. Jesus, from the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do. But we're not sinless. He said, we all share in the broken relationships that lead to the destruction of places like Coventry um, and other places in the world. So, Father, forgive became a key phrase for us in Coventry. Absolutely key. Because it was a way of standing together with all those who experienced destruction and suffering and turning to God to seek his mercy. And from that day on, actually, the ruins of the old cathedral have stood as a place for people to be touched by the honesty of the brokenness of the world and the honesty of the brokenness of their lives. Nobody would choose destruction. We were reflecting with the the folks in Christchurch about this last week. Nobody would choose destruction. But by the grace of God, it becomes a place to touch the world in their experience of brokenness and to say, you can find the light of God in this. There's a Canadian poet called uh, Leonard Cohen. I love his music. I don't know if they're probably... A, there are lots of people that really hate Leonard Cohen. There are some people that really like it. I don't know if John Leonard Cohen is in your kind of record collection or not. I guess he might be somehow. Um, but there's a lovely line in Leonard Cohen where he says, there's a crack, a crack in everything. It's where the light gets in. It's one of my favourite lines. Um, and through brokenness, the light and the grace of God can break into our lives. But we need to be honest about it. In the readings today, um, we are reminded of the way that signs of destruction, the serpent, the cross, when they're lifted up for the world to see, become signs for honesty, signs for healing, and signs for hope. And those three things have come to mean a great deal for me, to me, in the two years that I've been uh, in Coventry. Honesty, healing, and hope. Because as we're honest about both the history of what uh, has gone before us, and we're honest about the brokenness that our lives inhabit now, as we come together before God in that honesty, then we can discover his hope and his healing. And it's not anything that we deserve for ourselves. The reading, the second reading from Ephesians reminds us about that. Actually, it's just the overflowing love and graciousness of God that meets us when we come before him honestly. People sometimes say in Coventry, where we are trying to kind of lift ourselves, we're a bit of a depressed city, really, we're post-industrial. Um, uh, I, you know, I, it's hard not to make musical illusions. But if any of you know the song Ghost Town, um, by the specials that was written about Coventry. Um, they were a band from Coventry. In fact, Jerry Downs' dad was one of the priests in the cathedral. Um, but that's not popularly known. Um, but it was written about Coventry, a city that has lost its heart um, in many ways through the post-industrial era. But I firmly believe that for us, our heart can be refound actually by reconnecting with our history. And if you drive into the city of Coventry, you'll see that it says City of Peace and Reconciliation because of the way that from Coventry people reached out in the days after the war into our former enemies in Germany and started to rebuild relationship. Uh, but people still say, well, you know, let's forget about the Blitz. 
I don't know if this connects with you here at all in Gate Park. Um, as you might probably not be surprised to know, when I was had a bit of an itinerary suggested to me by uh, my new friend Jamie and Dean Taranaki, he said, well, I'd really like to go to Gate Park, and my friend John, and I'd be great for you to go. And I said, well, you know, I said to various people, go to Gate Park. I said, well, where? And so I looked it up, and what did I read about Gate Park? Well, of course, what I read about Gate Park was the history. Yeah, I read about the battle, um, I read about, uh, about Penny, I read about the, the stories of all of that. That actually is the connecting point for the wider world with this place. And it may feel like a connecting point which those of you here would rather forget. Actually, that may well not be true. You have it remembered in your building. Um, or, or perhaps to cover over and say, well, this is a, this is a, a difficult part of history. But actually, in acknowledging the brokenness of that time, and acknowledging the signs of the mercy and grace of God in it, and bringing that into the forward, into the present, and, and the, the, the great work that's been done just in the recent anniversaries and so forth, of just discovering ways of reconciling across the fragmented community that were caught up. Um, I mean, you know, in those, in those awful land wars that you had, and kind of Anglican Christians on both sides, um, you know, kind of praying and then going into battle with each other. I mean, just to, just to bring reconciliation into that history means that you have learned something so powerful, which can then speak into other people's needs to discover reconciliation in their own, in their own lives and in their own world. History is not something to be covered over, but it's to be lifted into the grace and light and mercy of God. You know this, so forgive me for, for just kind of recapitulating it with you. Coventry, by accident of history, became a place of destruction. By the grace of God, has learned that it has something of a vocation to inspire others. I was in Dresden just three or four weeks ago for the anniversary of the destruction of the beautiful city of Dresden. And the extraordinary thing about that was that people just kept saying, quote, quote, great violinist, saying, Dresden is known across the world as a beacon of hope. Well, Dresden is a, is a scene, was a scene of the most terrible destruction, perhaps more than any other of the Second World War. But because it span, it, from it sprang a desire to discover new relationships, especially with Coventry, and then to discover God's grace and hope uh, to, to, to feed resilience and then resurrection has become a sign of hope. The cathedral in Coventry has become a sign to inspire people across the world in honesty, in hope, and in healing. We have three core messages that go out through the international community of the Cross of Nails, which um, is a network of places. Um, hard to say whether it's not really led from Coventry. It, it sort of it relates to Coventry, but it's a network of a lot of different places doing things each in their own way. Lots in Germany, some in the States, Israel, Palestine, South Africa, Eastern Europe, quite a lot of places where they're, they're engaging with history. Healing the wounds of history is the first of our priorities, looking to the past. Learning to live with difference and to celebrate diversity looks around us to the present, and building a culture of peace looks towards the future. And uh, we're a network of people who feel uh, an, a call under God to be committed to one or more of those three priorities. We support each other in prayer, we share 
uh, daily in the Cathedral Coventry, weekly in our other centres in the Coventry Litany of Reconciliation, which has as its refrain those two words, Father, forgive, and just re relate some of the brokenness in the world through some of the things that turn men and women against one another. Uh, and by a sense of supporting each other in shared stories. As I listen to the stories in New Zealand, I can sense some of the connections with stories from other places that we're linked into across the world. One of the places that, I, that we visited here was the, the university in, uh, in Dunedin, Otago University. <coughs> Excuse me. We spoke to a wonderfully inspiring man there, um, a former Quaker, perhaps present Quaker, I think, um, Keith Clements. And he, he was very keen to kind of network into this. And he said, the thing is, the more of us who are speaking in this way about a different way of resolving difference, the more of us do it, we will create a reality that cannot be ignored. I'm quite excited by this. It's really, um, it's, it's really hard work, actually, running the Cathedral in Coventry. But it's really worth it. And it's really hard work being a Christian in places that have that have difficult history. But it's really worth it because if we give ourselves to one another and to God and work hand in hand in partnership with Jesus Christ and with others across the world, we actually create a different reality that people across the world can't ignore. And they are interested. I was with really quite a small group of people just, uh, uh, just the week before I came to New Zealand uh, walking through the streets of London, in a sense, in response to the attacks on the Charlie Hebdo offices in Paris. And I've got to know in recent months some good friends from the Muslim and Jewish communities. And so we did a little pilgrimage of peace. It was called uh, People of Faith Walk as People of Peace. And we walked behind a banner that said that, and, and it was, I guess it was quite a good faith opportunity. So it was me and my kind of clerical car and cross. Um, and there was, uh, there was Rabbi Jonathan with his, um, you know, um, uh, camp and uh, I'm not sure he had much else to distinguish him as a Jewish rabbi really um, and there was Nehemiah, he looked pretty cool because he was kind of wearing this kind of thing that I'm wearing today um, uh, a bit more ornate um, and, and, and actually there were about, only about a hundred of us doing this walk and we started off in a mosque in Regent's Park and we had a little address there and we went to a synagogue um, uh, just off Oxford Street and a little address there down to Westminster Abbey and I did a little talk and we went down to the the uh, House of Parliament, we met the Speaker of the House of Parliament, who is actually the person who's called to keep peace in the debates in the Houses of Parliament in, in England, which is quite a task. And then we actually went around the corner, we ended up in a hospital, because the original thing was that we were going to give blood as a sign of the fact that actually my blood can keep anybody alive. And I don't know, health rules meant that it was impossible to do that in the end, but the symbol kind of remained. But it was really picked up by the media. Because actually the truth is that the world is looking for different ways of resolving conflict. It really is. And we have, uh, we have a way into that. Particularly, because, actually, I believe in the Anglican Church. Particularly in the Anglican Church. Because we're often being quite kind of compromised in our history. And in our present, let's be honest. Um, but as we, by the grace of God, work through those differences... Uh, we can speak with some authenticity into the brokenness of the world. And actually, we can somehow find ways of dialoguing and learning from each other and walking hand in hand together. Um, something can change. So I guess I'm here in New Zealand just talking a little bit about that and learning and listening a great deal to some of the history here. I'm wondering if there's some kind of connection 
that, that, that might speak into, uh, into both our communities. Um, the community of the Cross and Nails, as I say, really is a community of people who find themselves hoping against hope that the world can be different, not denying brokenness, but discovering in it the seeds of hope. Um, and giving a commitment to being part of a future of peace rather than perpetuating a past of brokenness. And that's rooted in the reality of the gospel in Jesus, who shows us that God is there in brokenness, but that brokenness is not the final word. It can lead through to resurrection. So much more than it would be to say. I hope some of you can stay after the service for a bit of a conversation about where the connections might be. Uh, between us and between you. But it's a real privilege to be here with you today. Thank you for your hospitality. Um, and uh, I hope we can carry on a conversation about how God really is changing the world and how we can be part of that. In the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, and the name and in the name.